0: Welcome to this episode of the Life Profitability Podcast. I'm your host, Eddie Pinor. Every week on this podcast, I have a conversation with a fascinating guest, whether they're an entrepreneur, artist, musician, author, poet, or artisan, to learn more about how they live a life that is uniquely profitable. My guest today is Sylvia Mela, who introduced herself as being from Mars when I asked her about how she introduces herself to strangers. Beyond that, she is the founder of Surate, a direct-to-consumer tea brand. Sylvia has always been creative and ended up studying advertising and public relations. Her professional journey got her deep into the fashion world in Milan and New York. By all accounts, she has been very successful, until the day that she felt like the creativity had been drained from her work. She subsequently packed her bags for a three-week solo trip to Japan, where she experienced true calm for the first time in her life. She also discovered a tea culture that sparked a new two-year journey of research, learning and preparing to launch her new brand, Surate. Sylvia tells an energetic story, and I loved hearing how the pivots in her journey was not just haphazard coincidental events. Instead, they were thoughtful actions designed to help her find a better version of alignment for herself. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Sylvia Miller, who is most definitely not from Mars. Hi, Sylvia. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you. So Silvia, to kind of uh, you know, in twenty twenty, you find yourself you walk into a bar. Uh, we pretend that uh, social distancing is not a thing, right? And you meet a new stranger. How do you introduce yourself today, right? And I'm really curious about whether you actually use any labels when you introduce yourself at this stage.
1: Hmm. I guess I'm pretty obvious that I'm Italian when I start speaking, so I cannot hide that. Sometimes, uh, actually, when they ask me where I'm coming from, I say I'm from Mars. And then people are like, no, like, stop joking. I'm like, no, man, I'm not joking.
0: <laughs> I'm very curious, though, like, what has been the the funniest reaction you've gotten when you've told someone you're from Mars? A
1: few people got actually offended because at the end I was actually not saying what I was from. And I kept insisting that I'm, I'm actually from Mars, you know, like, so that some people are actually really like, OK, this girl is like, let's leave her here. <laughs>
0: Yeah, (laughs) they should probably just take her back to Mars and just... Yeah, like, let's hope she actually goes back to Mars. (laughs) Exactly. Cool. Well, okay, so, you're from Mars, like, what else in that introduction, like, are things that you would mention, and how would you define yourself?
1: To be honest, I am trying to be really ironic all the time, especially when I meet strangers that can come out to really like, oh my God, what she's talking about. Or I don't say my name or like, I don't ask their name or because I, I'm kind of like more inter- interested to see what they can say or what we can talk about. And um, since we are strangers, uh, so my, our name doesn't matter so far. So yeah, I guess that's my weirdest uh, thing.
0: That's interesting, right? So in not almost kind of defining or labeling yourself, right, leaving that space, because mm-hmm. it sounds like there's there's that curiosity there, right? If 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 you don't kind of you know, start limiting the conversation, like where does this, this take us, right? Mm-hmm. What is interesting there, and in the kind of the, the question that I would flip to you is, you knowing some of the things that we want to get into this conversation is is all around kind of your business and your kind of your being an entrepreneur, etc. Got it. Like most people would probably lead with that, right? Because like that's the things that are dear to their hearts, and they would want to talk about those things that they're passionate about, etc. And it sounds, but it sounds like, in often kind of in situations, you do not do that. You kind of leave that no. space and just see what happens. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it depends on also what kind of situation I am, because if I'm um, in a specific work situation, like there is, yes, of course I'm more serious, but if I'm in a bar and somebody and it's like flirting things, then I'm more ironic and I don't, and I don't go into my business or
0: Is that an active thing for you as well to try and kind of almost kind of separate you know those parts of your life right? The kind of the personal Sylvia parts versus the kind of the professional kind of work parts like is that a strategy for you to try and separate those things?
1: Usually no I usually it is the same things but I also like when I I, since I work a lot I really work a lot of hours and uh, when I for example when I go out just to like get my mind out of work For a little bit, and have like a drink with a friend or something. I don't necessarily want to talk about work, even though it's still me. Like you know, like uh, but yeah, I definitely try to don't have the work thoughts in my head for sure, just because I need that
0: break. Gotcha. That really resonates. I um, my wife always jokes, for example, that I can find a way to work a financial kind of term into any conversation and like you know, change any conversation back to business. And not that I'm a workaholic, but like I, I am at least aware of the fact that like I find it easy to gravitate back towards the things that I'm working on, right? And I don't necessarily yeah. think that's a it's very that's easy a good to do that. good thing. Right. So, um, like mm-hmm. having that break and separation is sometimes good. Mm-hmm. So I want you, ask kind of, to take us and take me and listeners, kind of, back to firstly, kind of your studies, right? Just kind of, you know, what you studied, and a little bit, kind of, about why you kind of, you know, went into that direction, and then perhaps your early kind of your career, just kind of, you know, explaining how that kind of played out, like after your studies, like what did you do? What were you passionate about?
1: Well, I'm from Vicenza, which is like 30 minutes outside Venice, in northeast Italy, and I went to college in Milan, so like a few hours further. I studied marketing and public relations and advertising. I graduated and then after that, I did a small master in psychology and then I moved to New York. But when I was in Milan, I did an internship for this fashion magazine where I was uh, like a union editor at the end. I worked there for like a year during my studies and I loved it. I loved the creativity of doing them, of putting together a magazine because you have to put together a lot of people with different personality and... uh, create something together that I can fit with the theme of the magazine that can fit with the current situations so you are uh, constantly expanding your mind through other artist works as well mm-hmm. and for me writing was really like a passion because I love to like I think it's like a great way of communicating even somebody doesn't have to write like books that has published or something even if you write your thoughts when you're mad in your diary, that makes, makes a lot of more easier to figure out where, where your mind is at because you can like put it down. So I love to do that. And when I, when I came to the States, I started still working as a freelancer for Conde Nast in Italy. And then I did my own publication. So I got uh, Conde Nast to make me my journalist visa to stay in the States. With that, I also did my own publication, which uh, I loved it. And I would love to do it again uh, one day because it really made me feel um, excited. I was uh, like trying to meet artists, uh, even like major artists and try to convince them to be part of my little new publication. So I was like trying to find ways and like, connecting like, two of them so they could have like a nice experience. I really loved that. And then uh, that the the magazine, a a few people in the fashion world saw the magazine. We saw what I was doing with the magazine. And I was uh, 24 years old at the the time. And they asked me to, this magazine was very visual. So there was a lot of photography. There was a lot of, uh, even how it was printed was very interactive. So it was like, it was not a normal, like, page, left, page, right. It was like a box with posters inside, so it was like some little bit more researched. And brands uh, asked me to produce content for them since they saw what I was doing. So I started saying yes uh, to the first and the second the third, and then uh, that's what I've been doing uh, since then. So it's like uh, eight years now. And uh, I closed the magazine uh, uh, after a year and I started doing advertising for brands and e-commerce. And then uh, after a while, uh, I was not uh, happy with the, what, what my work was because it was not uh, an entertaining creativity magazine uh, or like uh, exciting content. It was mainly me hiring um, the, the team uh, to shoot a, a, a lookbook uh, with a white background inside the room. So even though, yeah, still fashion, still everything, but I didn't thought I would deserve even to get paid for that because uh, it was just not was not me, it was not, I'm creating content. I'm like, I really felt I was waking up in the morning without a purpose, but I, I only knew the fashion, I thought that the only industry I knew was fashion. Like I never worked in any other industry. And uh, even um, in Italy, we are really strong in fashion and all my friends in college, they also ended up working in fashion jobs. So I would have never thought to like change industry for sure. So after that, I went, so I was like, really, I I didn't know what to do. I decided to take a solo trip to Japan by myself. I never did this before. Like I never went like on the other side of the world by myself and like just with a backpack. But I really need a break from everything and everybody and like all the things that I already know. So I went and I had the best time of my life. It was uh, super inspiring. It was uh, I was walking around Japan and I was like, I cried out of happiness of how the energy, I got the energy back. But I did not know how to do like a tea business when I was there. I got accustomed to their uh, to their routine, to their traditions when I was there. And when I came back to the States, I kept some of them, like uh, drinking green tea constantly during the day. And one day I decided to walk inside a store to buy some tea. I was in Soho in New York. And uh, I was looking, while I was waiting for my order, I looked at and I, I thought to myself, like, why are they doing these things in this way? Because if they do it another way, that would be much better. And that's when I got the idea. I'm like, but wait, maybe I should do a tea business so I can finally leave the fashion industry and I can go to Japan a lot because I love it. And I started a new thing, which is I never worked in food and beverage before. So it was super, very exciting. And I I really felt the the feeling that was the right thing to do. So I researched for two years. I went to Japan often to research for the perfect farm, searching the market to see what kind of actually business model uh, would make sense. And then after two years of researches, I launched my new company and I'm really happy.
0: That's always quite, quite a journey. And I, I want to kind of, you know, get into kind of how, like those two years, kind of the, the things you kind of were looking for was researching, you know, the new business and ultimately kind of launching it. What I want to get to just before that, Sylvia, is you speak about kind of that creativity, right? And and losing that creativity in the work you did. And it sounds like kind of the, the very nature of the work you originally did was creative, right? Yeah. I think it's something that I've heard other people describe as well, is that many creative pursuits start off being very creative and there's a lot of freedom. But then, like, whether it's a business or a career, as things kind of grows and expands it almost loses that creative quality to it
1: yeah exactly also things now are especially in communication are much more faster so before, like to produce a magazine, an edition of a magazine, took months of researches of like production and make sure that every single page is done perfectly because you are selling a dream at the end of the day. Now uh, there is content, uh, you are, we are so bombarded by content that uh, you don't have the time to do something that it's completely dreamy or stunning or exciting. Uh, so yeah, also the way of how, how we sell products is different.
0: And I want to put you on the spot here a little bit, right, and um, kind of be a bit of your own oracle here, right, is when you think about kind of your business, right, like how will you prevent kind of that creativity from kind of being drained out of your business? Like if you and I chatted in two, three, four, five years time, won't you just kind of you know tell me similar things right which is the business group kind of customers wanted a certain thing we got this and that partnership and that they demanded this kind of you budget and this timeline and ultimately all those other forces kind of you know pulls that creativity out of the process the creativity that it seems like you are very passionate about and was very a big part of that kind of origin story for your business
1: totally i think it's a combination of things because uh... I'm sure that not that it's impossible to have everything exciting in when you do a company. So you have to, of course, do some things that meets also the boredness. <laughs> I think that it just depends of who runs the company and how they want to see, what kind of vision do they have for the company? So you can do a lot of exciting things uh, all the time with budget or without budget. It's not a matter of budget sometimes. So my goal is to shock my clients or like making my clients do an experience of like telling them things maybe they don't know because that's the point of putting something out there because doing a company like there is so many products how much stuff people can buy at the end of the day. So the creativity is about doing something that people do need and do are inspired by and they can actually maybe change their life in a way not the other one as before when people were buying a magazine that it was completely selling a dream, they they were buy, like they were like super excited because they maybe they cannot travel and they were traveling through the pages of the magazine. So every single brands or magazine or whatever can be exciting in a way. It's just a matter of finding the right way
0: to do that. Gotcha. I think what I'm hearing you say there is that keeping that creativity mostly starts with your own perspective as well, right? Mm-hmm. Is that anything can ultimately also just lose that excitement if like you as the creator is not as excited about this thing you're putting out there into this world anymore. This, this mission, this vision, this idea that you're ultimately kind of selling or presenting to your customers regardless of what the actual product is.
1: Yeah. If I, one day I won't be excited about tea, which I hope not because I will love it. I will sell the company because uh, there is no point of doing something you don't like in any way, especially if you are the leader of a company, because uh, if you don't believe it yourself, if you're not excited about it, you can't sell it. People see it, like customers see the the passion behind the brand or like uh, there is a core value, even though even if it becomes a corporation there is still that core value of our company so if that misses and it's my fault that i'm uh, the leader maybe somebody else should take over and i should do something else because that would be a waste
0: yeah one of the things that i'm really passionate about Sylvia, and that i've always believed is i think the best product or, or, or company business brands are actually kind of a really strong manifestation of their founders right and that there is almost no differentiation between those two things right and i think to your point like someone's love of the product that they're putting out there, love of the brand they're putting out there that's such a beyond making commercial sense and being a a kind of competitive advantage in markets right i actually think you're right customers can sense that as well like if that suddenly kind of is lacking then customers notice that but i really like that idea like once your love your passion your energy for something gets removed from this. Just saying, this has been a good ride. I will now sell this and rather do something else.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like uh, life is one at the end of the day. So you have to wake up to do something that you're really passionate about. So, and you, of course, that cannot change every day, but (laughs) you kind of have to commit to it, but uh, yeah.
0: So I'm curious, like if you had to kind of just rethink what you were doing tomorrow, right? And and I'm, I'm mostly asking this in a way for listeners that are listening and they think to themselves, Listen, you know, I'm probably in a position at work or in my life that I'm not super kind of happy with what I'm doing on a daily basis, right? Like, how do you, would you help that person discover a passion, right? And, and something that they're so passionate about that they can actually turn, whether it is a business or not, like that doesn't really matter, but something that they can at least kind of practice on a kind of regular basis to create that energy in their life. Like, what would you suggest they do?
1: Well, I think it's really important to take a step back sometimes and to have the courage to move out of that situation. And one of the things that I also found it's, uh, while I was going through Japan the first time that I looked like a kid, like I was doing the same things as I was a kid, like going around with the bike and like exploring, smiling at people, sitting down and like look at a rock for like two hours, you know, like go back to the basic, I think. And then you can see what you really like to do when you always like to do At the end of the day, it can be really, a broad group of things but for example i always like writing, like writing was my first job. And then I moved to images, advertising. So it's also a sort of communication. I communicate, I'm keeping communicating stories through another version. And then the tea is also I'm communicating a culture, a movement. I'm communicating what I learned from the tea plants in Japan and from the farms. So it's also communicating. So if I didn't go to Japan, I would have not even thought to do tea. But the communication part is the core of what I really like to do.
0: Yeah. And what I love kind of hearing you say there is that really looking at the world through the kind of the eyes of a child, right? And like yeah. a curiosity that curiosity, that the way of looking at a world where we don't have these preconceived ideas sometimes, we we almost exclude certain ideas and certain things because kind of as adults, we are just kind of programmed to say, you know what, this, this can never work, right? So this idea is bad, like without even exploring the idea, this idea is going to be bad. So I I never even give my brain the permission to just noodle on it a little bit and see where does this go? Like, is this actual good idea or is the idea from actual Mars and we should just leave it there? He's definitely from Mars. <laughs> He's definitely from Mars. So, so I'm curious, like, as you kind of you took that step back, and like, you, for you, that step back was kind of you know going to Japan, traveling through Japan, right? I wonder, and again, this is obviously kind of you know either hindsight being exact science or just asking you to kind of you know, take a wild guess, right? But I'm wondering whether like. Had you decided to go elsewhere, like, do you think you would have landed on something completely different? Do you think you would have still landed maybe on a different idea, but still decided, hey, I want to build a business here to pursue this kind of newfound passion that I discovered in this other country? How big of an influence, I think, was the actual setting, right, versus just the kind of more of the process within that new setting for you?
1: Well, I don't think if I went on another country or another place, I would have the same idea or another idea. I picked Japan also for the reason that I never been before the first time, but I picked it because I kind of knew I was going to like it. I also worked with Japanese people before, so I knew about the culture and always been super inspired and it really did to me because of the aesthetic. I really love the Japanese aesthetic and I love that they are really close to Italian people at the end of the day. I mean, Personality wise, way different, but we are both majoring food, and how the the idea William really, Japanese people, and the attention of details of craftsmanship they have, it's. Uh, it's absurd, like uh, they're really perfectionist. And that's uh, our artisans in Italy were the same, are the same. So there is a lot of similarity between the two cultures that I really, really like. And the main thing that I love about Japan it's that I'm really hyper person, I'm a very agitated person, and I go fast, I speak fast, I move fast, I think fast. And uh, I never found anything to do or I never met anybody that calmed me down as a, Japan as a place calmed me down. Like the only thing that, that actually worked for me that actually relaxed me. I can be relaxed doing some meditation sometimes, doing yoga or like uh, walking on the beach for sure. But Japan really made me calm inside. And I felt quite respectful to move faster than them or to like do things um, as I'm supposed to do, it, as I'm used to do it here. So really that for me was a big uh, wake up call because the, like this place actually caught me and I never, I never found anything that actually worked
0: before. <laughs> what I love hearing you say there, Sylvia, and I think for many kind of listeners sometimes, I think people believe that the, the kind of the best ideas or thoughts or whatever, just kind of miraculously happens, right? And in your case, Japan was not random. Like to your point was you did the research before, like, there was a very specific reason why you decided to go to Japan. You still went there with this huge amount of curiosity, not knowing what you would ultimately find there, right? And I think one thing, especially about Kind of in any creative industry or profession people generally have a very specific kind of you know plan like Mm -hmm. if it's writing it's it's kind of waking up every morning sitting down at one's desk and that's how the good ideas comes but being creative being free is not just this complete blank canvas every single day because no sane person will be able to cope with that sometimes it is kind of you know saying i can only be free and i can only be creative within these two kind of lines that I need to define what those lines are. And in your case, like there was that very purposeful decision, like of all the, what's it, 170 countries in the world, like I will go to, J- to Japan and I will see what I can learn and find in Japan.
1: Correct. Yes. I will always, I was always inspired about that culture. And I also, I decided Japan because I wanted to go on a place that I I really didn't want to know anybody. I didn't want to find any glamour, or like I didn't want to have like the club to go, or I want to be able to walk inside a bar and not having like a party there, or like, so I really want to do like a, a lone vacation. In fact, uh, Japan, the, it's a very respectful country. So nobody was trying to like meet, if I was going to know Turkey by myself, which I did before, also, you walk in a restaurant by yourself and then you find yourself. Surrounded by oh, what's your name? Uh, and that in Japan doesn't happen. They don't care you're there alone, like they left you there and that was great.
0: <laughs> it's always in turkey where you learn to be kind of evasive when your kind of your people are meeting you and you tell them mars. like you know, i'm just from mars but exactly so sylvia you, you mentioned earlier that kind of you know, you discover kind of your tea as a ritual and you totally get passionate about this on the trip and from there to kind of you know starting the business it takes you two years of research like take me kind of into that kind of process like two years sounds like an incredible amount of time so what did you spend the time on like what were the things that you research like what were you you kind of looking to find like what are the really really important things um for you in that kind of your two-year phase of researching the new business
1: i started by myself uh, put my saving inside this company and uh, i tried to do everything that was would have not been a waste for me as well so i researched every single part of uh, a business so first of all of course the product so i went to japan uh, a lot to research the perfect farm and the, the farms also that are, that are available to ship to the US because uh, it's not just about finding a great farm. It's also like, it's hard to work with Japanese people because they don't do anything that they they don't want to. So if they don't want to sell you the tea, they just don't sell it to you, even though they have like, a lot <laughs> so it's it's also finding a good relationship with the farmers there that they can trust you because it's not about that they don't want to tell you they don't want to give you the tea sometimes but because they do respect their products so much then if they don't understand exactly what you're trying to do with their products they don't they don't they, there is no way they're going to give it to you so i had to like go through that process and prove them that i was actually doing something that i thought that they were going to like in fact they're really happy now uh, and then uh, the business model, because it's not just about selling tea, but where I'm going to sell tea, and also like. Uh why all this uh, green tea? Because I only do green tea and matcha and they have different kinds and different qualities of green tea and matcha, but so much green tea and matcha at the end of the day. Yeah. So with who I'm going to sell it to. So I did a full research of like potential customers and uh, how the market was developing. And uh, should I have a proper store? Should I do a wholesale? Should I only sell online? So I had to work with financial. I have a financial advisor that is a my saver that helped me to do that because that's definitely something that I couldn't do by myself. I'm, again, I'm a creative, I'm not a financial person. So I had a big help to put a structure together that could be sustainable to actually launch a business in
0: these times. And it sounds like uh, even acknowledging that price, I think so many people neglect to not acknowledge where they are perceived weaknesses or these blind spots are right mm-hmm. um you know to your point like if you know just being creative like you knew that you needed someone there that can take care of certain things say hey sylvia like this story everything kind of makes sense here but we also need to kind of you know, consider and make plans for xyz to make sure that this is actually a sustainable business or could you know could be a sustainable business for you to build going forward
1: yeah, totally. Like teamwork, I think uh, it's necessary. And for who wants to start a company, it's necessary that they know their limitation. They cannot pretend that they do everything because that's not going to work,
0: like period. I'm wondering in kind of uh, in launching, the business launch this year, right? Yeah at the beginning of this year. Uh, so, so beyond the pandemic, right, I'm wondering, like, what was the hardest part of kind of you know, doing all this research, right? Getting really excited about this this thing you found, this thing that you kind of want to share with people, the story that you want to share with people, right? Yeah. Like, what was the hardest part of actually kind of you know, putting all of that together and ultimately launching you know cerote
1: the pandemic for the actual business was not affected by because i uh, i launched uh, now i'm developing new other distribution channels but it launched as only uh e-commerce like i only sell through my website so actually it didn't go bad during the pandemic for me the hardest part was was since uh, i'm a startup i'm really new and i'm begging people to meet with me that was the hard part because now i cannot even harassing them to like oh, give me five minutes of your time you know no because the, yeah they're all home and and zoom calls sometimes can be especially for for somebody that is like trying to ask you something yeah, as a favor me like me to business people or something zoom can be very like frightening at the beginning so that was the hard part the networking for my own business was hard enough. but the actual business uh, it went well during the pandemic thank
0: god that's awesome. Congratulations as well, Ryan. I'm wondering, like, what is the kind of the, the, the biggest change that you've had to undergo as Sylvia, going from that kind of your first day of launching the business to kind of where the business is today? Like, what's the biggest change you've had to make?
1: Lifestyle, I guess. Lifestyle, uh, I had to... I was living in LA when I was studying the business model and everything. And also when I launched, I was in LA. I had to move to New York because of business, because it's easier especially during this pandemic, to actually have a coffee with somebody or to have a quick meeting with somebody and to find also my team of freelancers that works for me. It's easier to do from New York and and uh, I was the only one probably that from LA moved to New York after the pandemic. <laughs> so yeah, I had to change. I had to make sacrifices, uh, which, which is this is not definitely the biggest sacrifice. I to make others bigger.
0: So... I mean, tea in itself is a ritual for many people, right? And I'm wondering, like, are there any kind of, you know, daily kind of you new know, habits or rituals beyond, I would assume, kind of you know, drinking your own tea, right? Which is something that... I believe you you still practice, right, but are there any other kind of daily or weekly kind of rituals, habits, disciplines that you kind of implement in your own life to make sure that you essentially show up as the kind of the best possible version of Sylvia, both in the business and driving the business forward, but also just in your kind of life as a whole?
1: Yeah, I do have rituals that are, I think rituals are very important to, to keep your mind sane sometimes. And uh, sometimes you don't feel like doing them because maybe you're going through something. For example, one of my rituals is trying to laugh at least once a day. Even uh, if I'm having a really bad day and there's nothing to laugh about. I think just by forcing me to laugh and not forcing, but I have to like obviously think on something or like read something like uh, different times can be. When I really don't want to laugh and really have to force myself to find something to laugh about but that's really changes so that's an effort that I'm doing because I don't want to laugh, but it makes a difference afterwards or walking I do multiple times a day I do walk so that I can be 10 minutes it can be 30 minutes but it's really necessary that I walk and I to like just clear my mind.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, and that sounds like the, know, anyway, come back to kind of with the T as well, right? And the app you're know, kind of being mm-hmm. in that moment is that kind of alignment, both of the kind of, you know, mental, emotional, physical, you know, spiritual, all of those realms of self is when there is alignment there and one is feeding all those parts, that is probably also when we are at our best, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure.
0: So... Want to end off this conversation, Sylvia? I wanted to kind of you know, take us into the future. You know, firstly, right, and like a two-part question. The, I think the, the one part is what is the the future for Serate kind of hold, right? Like, what is your kind of your know, ultimate goal here for the business? And then I would love to know whether you actually think about kind of legacy in kind of any way, and if there is any kind of you know if you do and you do think about legacy, whether as you kind of you plan the next. X many years of Sorote, how that kind of legacy links to that.
1: Why I love green tea is, yes, about the ritual part, yes, because uh, Japan I love, but it's also because uh, I had the opportunity to study with uh, doctors and scientists in Japan, to study the green tea plant. and. Uh, why one of the factors why I decided to do this company is also because people do not know what's different between green tea and black tea like they all come from the same plant and why green tea is much more beneficial for you and what is actually beneficial about so the people that I didn't know all of these things before I studied with these Japanese doctors but my goal is definitely to make sure that everybody the more people possible knows about this so that would be really cool. And uh, I see this is why also it's like a, of a ritual. This is also why I sell subscription. Is because uh, it was uh, a medicine. Green tea was imported from China to Japan as a medicine. So that should still be taken as a medicine, or at least as a vitamin. So that's why I suggested to drink at least three times a day because... Uh, it is a vitamin. If you keep drinking it, you will see the the results in your body or how the disease that you can take can you can have. I said that really badly. <laughs> but yeah, that's definitely part of the legacy that I
0: wanna transmit. Gotcha. And taking that valuable information and the product out there, like is that something that you can you imagine yourself doing five, 10, 20, 30 years from now? I know that that sounds like a completely like stupid question. Well, right? I because hope we, so. We know the world changes quickly, right? But yeah. yeah.
1: I hope so. I would like uh, the sort that becomes an espresso of green tea. <laughs> which uh, awesome. which is a great, I'm inspired by an espresso because it's a great company and it's not boring at all. They always come out with things to like, they're really inspiring. So that would be cool.
0: Yeah. Well, isn't it just a case that you just basically need to add kind of George Clooney as your brand ambassador, and then <laughs> you, you you basically are already the, the kind of espresso for tea, right? Like that's that's the playbook. That's how you do that.
1: Correct. That will be exciting. <laughs>
0: Awesome. I think that's a kind of awesome delicious goal to have, right, is to really kind of call that out as well and say, you know what, I would love to build my business Rote, and kind of be like the Nespresso for tea, right? And I think you know, kind of a few individuals aspires that big. So it's, it's awesome hearing you kind of say that. Thank you so much for the conversation. If listeners wanted to kind of follow along with your journey as you build the kind of special for tea and ultimately find (laughs) George Clooney to be your brand, the kind of advocate, where should they look for you online at least if they can't make it to Mars?
1: (laughs) Well, uh, the website is www.sorate.co.
0: Awesome. We will get that linked up. (laughs) Sylvia, thanks so much for this conversation. It was a blast.
1: Thank you very much. Have a good day.
0: That's it for me for today's episode. If anything in today's conversation really resonated with you, please do send me an email on ad at lifeprofitability.com. That's ad I at lifeprofitability.com. You can also leave a review on iTunes, which helps me to improve the show and perhaps also helps me to reach someone else that needs to hear this or might find this helpful. I'll be back here with another great guest next week. Cheers.